It's really closer to one tenth of 1% of all policies pay a death benefit, but less than 1% ever pay anything. Term. Okay. Yeah, so, term. Yeah. so it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, you're throwing your money away there. Be, be, but here's the thing when you buy term insurance, are you betting with the insurance company or against them? Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where it's our goal to take your income, your investments, and your life to the next level. I'm your host, Chris Larson. If you haven't yet, get a copy of our book for free at our website, nextlevelincome.com. That's www.nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link, and I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. On today's show, we have Jim Oliver. Jim is the world's foremost authority on the infinite banking concept, otherwise known as IBC. He is a financial freedom and abundance advocate, as well as a coach, and has dedicated his career to breaking the financial shackles that bind people and businesses to unnecessary taxes and interest expenses. Jim spent 12 years under the tutelage of the late R. Nelson Nash, the pioneer of IBC, and now spreads the message through his firm, Create Tailwind, his podcast, Breakaway Wealth, which I've been on, and speaking engagements across the United States. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We're, we almost, we're going to run out of time because we, we got chatting before the show and um, we're talking about all things health and, you know, we, ha we have a lot of different stuff in common from the cars we drive to... Uh, you know, to some of the the health things we do, um, and you know, Jim, we're going to talk, as I mentioned in the in the intro, about you know this concept called infinite banking. Yep. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about your background, but what really what really hits me is that people that are involved in the infinite banking concept, I think they they think a different way. They think a little bit differently. Um, and to give the audience an idea of, of how you think, you know, share a little bit about your background and. Um, you know, how you met Nelson Nash and, and how you ended up getting into this space. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. You know, um, from when I was little, I was fascinated with money. And I was fascinated with money because I grew up without any money. And I grew up where I was standing in line for government cheese, was homeless at one point in time. And so I grew up in the inner city of Los Angeles. I thought that was a joke. You actually stood in line for government cheese. That's some, Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. That's legit. It, you know, it's... Uh, and. What we would do, because most people on entitlements are trying to figure out a way to the system. We were trying to figure out how to get more government cheese, you know? So, um, but but it made me, like, I'd look around in Los Angeles, and if you, if you know Los Angeles or the, for the people that live there, you could be in a complete, you know, poverty area, and you could drive a few miles one way or the other, and you are in some of the richest uh, zip codes in, in the world. And, and it's, it's frustrating to say like, like, well, how do I get from here to there? So I was fascinated with money. I went to school, um, I went to school, but I loved to learn. And I got out of school and went to work in a financial planning firm. And I thought it was amazing because every firm that I interviewed with offered me a job because it's a hundred percent commission. Yeah. Which means just one more body. Yeah. Just one more body. Hey, can you do it or can't you do it? Hey, start calling out of the phone book for the younger people. We used to have a book. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> no, all joking aside, I know there's some listeners that are like, what? Yeah, there's what no, is a phone. book. I, that's the second time I've said that today, too. I was joking about a phone book or a roll. Yeah. If the phone book is next to your Rolodex, right? Yeah. Next to the Rolodex. <laughs> so anyway, I got into the financial services business and it was like, OK, that's how you build wealth. And this is how you understand money is you, 
you teach people and you show people how to take their money, put it in Wall Street. And then, you know, um, if if the market does this and inflation does this and their income does this, then you'll be great. And at 60 or 65, or if you do it really well at 55, you turn that off and then you hope that you don't run out of money. Right. And and I'm gonna give you this leather bound, beautiful thing. It's only gonna cost five or ten grand minimum. And uh, then I'm going to charge you a fee on top of that too, you know, the, uh, to manage your money. But that's just for my time to put together this little plan that's 100 pages and three of them are specific to you and 97 of them are generic. But that's all I knew. And I thought, okay, this is the way that it works. And I ended up managing $700 million. I was charging 1%. So I thought, well, I'm doing pretty good, right? I mean, I had yeah, expenses and things. Yeah. But... I thought something seems wrong. And then I got this report and it said for this period of time, my clients got 9.38% on their money. And I thought, wait a minute, I've got money in that account and it didn't grow 9.3%. My balance didn't. My CAGR, my compound annual growth rate. So I took out expenses. I took out taxes. I took out uh, my fee, everything else. And yeah. guess what the rate, real rate of return was? 4%. I was going to say 4 to 5%. Yeah. Yeah. So 4% when you're doing math and projections, that's a great word, projection, is makes the projections not work. So all of my clients, not some of my clients, all of my clients, it wasn't going to work. So I thought, well, wait a minute. What do people that, I mean, I'm managing $700 worth of assets these people are wealthy people. Yeah. What did they do to build their wealth, right? Guess what it came down to? Only two things, real estate and businesses. Yeah. And if Stop you invest ways. in real yeah. estate, you are in the real estate business, right? So it's business, all business. All business. So I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm not hoping these, that's, I should be people how to do that. And then just as things would happen, um, a friend of mine said, Hey, you're going to be in Houston. You ought to go see Nelson Nash. He's doing wow. a 10 hour seminar right after your meetings over. And what I thought, year was this? That would have been like 2003 or five, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. 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 2003. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. So I went and saw Nelson and here's this, you know, very polite Southern gentleman with a, yeah. you know, thick Birmingham accent. And, yeah. you know, like, and he, he thought, I'm just waiting for the pitch, right? I'm waiting. Yeah. What's this guy selling? I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. Five hours in, I thought, this guy's either a shyster or he's brilliant. I really didn't know, Chris, which one he was. And I got to the end of the seminar. I still didn't know. I asked him at least an hour, maybe two hours worth of questions. I'm really writing down questions. I learned that a long time ago. I wrote down, write down every question I want to ask an author or a speaker. So I asked him all these questions. He was so gracious. He answered all the questions. And then he finally said, hey, Jim, I'm doing this in two weeks. Because you're in the financial services field, your paradigm is in more cement than most people. And so why don't you come back to the next one? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll be back in two weeks. So I came back in wow. two weeks. Wow. Again, about halfway through the meeting, I'm sitting there, I'm writing 
you know, copious notes. And I, and I say, oh my gosh, I got it. It hit me, Chris, like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And what it came down to is that we're solving one big problem that all of us have. We finance every single thing that we buy. Everything. We either pay interest or we give up interest we could earn somewhere else. Yep. There are no exceptions. Yep. When that hit me, then I thought, well, wait a minute. This isn't just a way to sell life insurance, which is what I thought. Hey, this. Well, I understand what this guy's doing. He's showing people how to sell big yeah, life insurance just trying policies. To sell, yeah, and that's the yeah. that's what you see online if you look up. Like, what's is this scam? Most, yeah. you know, you don't see it's a scam. You just see like, oh, they're just trying to sell you more life insurance. Yeah, but, but it's is, not. The thing is, is that. You know, Chris, when you think about how a bank works, and this is hard without drawing out this visual, and on my community, I have all this drawn out, direct people to that. But if you think of a bank, there's only three players in the play at the bank that really matter. You have that depositor, yep. you have the owner of the bank, and then you have the borrower, okay? So you go down and deposit money at the bank. And let me just ask you, when you is that an asset or a liability to the bank? It's an asset. That's what everybody says, but it's a liability because they haven't done anything with it yet. So gotcha. when you go down and deposit it, yeah. it's a liability because they got to give you your money back anytime you want it. Good point. With interest, a little bit of interest, yep. but they make it an asset. Yeah. They loan it out to a borrower. Yep. So if we're sitting in a, and I used to own part of a bank in South Dakota, if you, if we're sitting in a board meeting for the bank, we're talking about our loan portfolio because the loan is the asset. So again, as consumers, we're taught a deposit is an asset and a loan is a liability, but not for the bank, it's the right? Opposite. Yeah, It's the opposite because the bank knows the borrower is going to pay the owner of the bank interest. And then the owner of the bank is going to pay the depositor as little as possible. Okay, so let me give you some numbers to make help, help the audience visualize this. And, and these numbers are from 2016, Chris, and I love, especially young guys, they say, well, Jim, what are the updated numbers? And I said, well, listen, you're 25. You're going to be on this earth for another 75 years. Tell me what year you want me to plug in, and I'll over the last 75 years, I'll plug yeah. it in. Because I'm just using 2016, because that was the first time I did so I got a Bauer financial report for Bank of America, and it said it had whatever amount of interest-bearing accounts, and then it had interest expense. So it had interest income, interest expense. So what it said was, in 2016, Bank of America would pay 0.2% on your deposit, okay? So that means that if you deposited $10,000, they're going to pay you 20 bucks over the next year in interest. They're going to loan it out at an average of 5.2%. Now, again, our consumer brains, what we've been told, which is all lies about money, it says, well, Jim, that's only 5% more than they're paying me. That's not a big deal. But that's not how this works, Chris, right? You right. have your cost, which is 0.2%, and you have your profit, which is 5.2%. So they're paying $20. They're earning $520. $20 goes into 520 26 times, which yes. means the bank has a 2,600% profit margin with your money. So they're not, they're making 26 times 
you're making with your money. Yep. Does it get worse? It does. So in the <laughs> banking world, it's like a pool of money. It's a pool of yeah. water. There's yeah. only one pool of water in the world, right? There's yeah. only one banking system in this the world. This is where, yeah, this is where Nelson talks about it. You're like, oh yeah, it's one, it's all, it's all waters. It's yeah. One pool of water. It's all connected. Yeah. But we don't think of it like that. We think yeah. of Lake Michigan as Lake Michigan and the Amazon is the Amazon yeah. and the water's there. That's not how it works. Yep. That's why Bank of America and Chase and your local bank, they're all interconnected. And if you go, well, no, my bank, no, it's not works. You've heard money follows the sun. A bank in New York closes, lends its money to a bank in Chicago. They close, lends its money to a bank in Denver, LA, and around the world. Love that. Yep. Right? Overnight lending rates, right? So, which means if you have money deposited at one bank, borrowed from another bank, they're making 2,600% more than you with your money from you okay problem if you know what's happening you'll know what to do that's the problem mm -hmm. infinite banking is part of the solution now when we do infinite bank we're solving that one problem we finance every single thing that we buy so we're we're recapturing interest we're recapturing lost opportunity cost and we're using other people's money. This is really the key thing. And this is where it, it is like IBC on steroids. We're buying cash flowing assets, assets, not instruments. And we're using the insurance company's money. Yep. Okay. And so we're going to come back to that. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I will no, rattle on, Chris. You must yeah. interrupt me because I will just keep going. <laughs> I love it. So, all right. You met you met Nelson. He walked through the IBC concept. And I think just to just to kind of recap this section of the conversation, um, we went over the how the banking system works. And it's actually, it's actually even more, it's actually, like you said, it's worse than that because then there's they can lend out more than they actually have in deposits and so on and so forth. Fractional reserve bank. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all this stuff. So, but even even the way you said it. You know, most people don't understand that. And that's what, you know, it's like um, you mentioned that your investors or your um, in, uh, clients that you were working with, they were investing their money. They were getting nine and a half, 10 percent return, which is that's what you hear this all the time. Oh, there's a 10 percent average return in the stock market. Average. But you, yeah. But you said something else, Jim. I know it came up when I was on your podcast. You don't get the average. You get the compounded annual growth rate, the CAGR that you brought up and what we mentioned was, hey, if you have a if if you invest a hundred dollars and it goes up a hundred percent one year, you have two dollars. If it goes down fifty percent the next year, you're back to a dollar. But one hundred minus fifty is fifty divided by two years. Your average return is twenty five percent. Your compounded annual growth rate is zero percent. And so I think a lot of investors don't understand that. And then the other thing they don't understand is that if you're getting a an eight percent rate of return or a ten percent rate of return. But you're paying, say you're paying, you're making ten percent, but you're paying two percent in fees. You're not giving up two percent. You're giving up twenty percent of your return. And when you compound that, it's it's a massive difference, massive difference. And just that one percent rate can add up to the average investor over a million dollars in their lifetime. Um, so I think that's that's one of the fundamental things I wanted to highlight. Um, the second piece, IBC, um, infinite banking, right? For, for those of the infinite banking concept, um, Nelson Nash came up with it. 
which I, I don't think we, and I have becoming, becoming your own banker right here. It's one of my favorite books in the, uh, awesome. in the thing. Um, how, how, like, how does this work for the average person? So we're talking about a concept. So you basically become the bank, you set this up so you can recapture interest and do these things. And I love it. I still have some of my investors that call, like I had one friend from college and I explained to him and he's, he's super smart. He's got an MBA, super smart guy. He's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Two months later, he calls me back, Jim. He goes, Chris, I got to talk to you. Like text me. I was like, what's up? Yeah. He goes, I got it. I figured it out. It hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks, Chris. What, how, like, so let's go into that next phase. Like why, why do people figure out like, wait a minute, this is, we're talking about massive amounts of money here in our lives. Yeah. Um, what happens is people hear life insurance and it shuts them down. Their brain says life insurance is this. And, and it's like, what, hold on a second. It's, it's um, co-generation as Nelson says in his book, it's like a paper, um, a paper mill next to a uh, lumber yard. Right. I mean, you need, I mean, it, it's, they need each other to operate and the reason that you you have to look at the insurance contract when i draw this out chris i draw it out like a ledger one side of the ledger is your money pool the other side of the ledger is what you do with the money okay so normally you would have money sitting in your checking account and then i decide hey i want to go buy an rv park a mobile home park whatever mm -hmm. so i'm going to take that money out of account and and I have that money in that account, or I have that asset, right? Now it's right. nothing wrong I with that. I save up and I take that money and I I buy a park, and now I don't have the money anymore, but I have you know I have. But the I have the park, yeah. right? Yeah. And as long as the park makes money and everything, that's great. But what if because I have this money in this account, I can take somebody else's money without application, without approval? I can take an interest only loan for from them up to all of the money that I have in the account. And then I can go buy the RV park. And as that RV park cash flows or the mobile home park, I flow the money back into that money pool. And anytime I want, I can take another loan. They can't deny me, they can say no. Okay, so that's kind of how the insurance contract works. Because, and first of all, we design the insurance policy the way that a bank designs BOLI, which is bank-owned life insurance, or a corporation des designs COLI, corporate-owned life insurance. Well, why would banks and corporations own life insurance? Because they know what we now know with infinite banking. <laughs> Excuse me. And they think long-term. We have to think long-term. So we established this insurance policy with a mutual insurance company. Why a mutual insurance company? Because the policy owners own the insurance company. They have a contractual right to take an interest-only loan up to 100% of their cash value. And the insurance company has to give them their money. So now I have OPM use and control of that. And that's an excellent point. And it's something that I learned when, when I first started investing, where Vanguard was a mutually owned company. So you can go invest... And basically, it's like a nonprofit. So mm -hmm. I think so. If you're listening, what it means is that you, as a policyholder in one of these life insurance companies, instead of a company that's owned by stockholders, any excess profits 
they're also going to flow back to the policyholders. So not only do you have this benefit that Jim's talking about, but you also basically get the excess profit. And I'll let you kind of share how that's returned to policyholders. Yeah. And the cool thing is that dividend, right? That's that's dividend. a dividend yeah. is a return of premium inside the life insurance contract, which means taxable, non taxable. And so once your money is in that insurance contract, it's never taxed again. The death benefit, because you know what, Chris, we'll take care of ourselves, but one of these days we're going to graduate from this earth. And when we do, our heirs are going to get a tax-free death benefit. Okay? Now, taxes, if you could erase taxes, this is why people move to Puerto Rico, right? Is <laughs> a big deal. It's a it's big, a big deal. deal. Yeah. And you're, when you're I talk to people there. in Puerto you're Rico, close. they love this because they say, wait a minute. Yeah. That means I might not have to stay in Puerto Rico forever if I could get all my money in one of these policies. Yeah, exactly. Not that there's anything wrong with staying in Puerto Rico forever. Um, so, Chris, let's talk about this loan because this is how we have to think about it. Again, you know, simplicity is elusive. This is simple, but it's not easy. And what you said about your friend is exactly right. This is not taught. It's caught. So one of the things that we do in our community is we just have courses and videos and because I don't know exactly what one thing is going to make it click for you. But think about this loan for a second. If I would loan you $100 million today, Chris, yep. and your only obligation was you got to pay me $5 million of interest one year from today, mm -hmm. would, you take, would you take the money? Yes. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So... Let's turn it around for a second. Let's say you made me the same offer. And, you know, Chris, if you're open to that, we can talk afterwards and we can, I can get paperwork, everything sent over to you. But I'm going to be, I'm uh, going to come up a little, you might have to hack, hack a zero or two off that gym, but, you know. Uh, well, that's okay. I'm, you, I'm, you start I'm willing somewhere. to aggregate the, the uh, hundred million. <laughs> but uh, so I'm going to take your, here's what I'm going to do with it. And I'm going to do something. I know you're going to do the same thing, but I'm just going to, instead of ask you what to do with it, I'll just say, like, let's reverse it. So you're going to loan me $100 million. I'm going to take your $100 million and I'm going to go to the seller or the bank, if I have to, and I'm going to get 80% loan to value average, right? If I do creative financing the seller, I'm going to probably get better than 80%. And if I have to use the bank, I might only get 70 At that kind of money, I think I could get 80 yeah. but let's just, just an example. Yeah. So- when I do real estate, I want to get at least 25%. If I'm going to be active in it, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go do everything. I want to get at least 25% cash on cash return. Okay. Love it. Yep. Some people out there, I know your experienced guys are going to say, well, I get 40. I get, I, I'm just using a number. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I take your 100 million. I'm going to make 25 million. I call you in a, in, a, in a year. I say, hey, let's go for a bike ride, which I'm not going to be able to keep up with you. And but if we're gonna have it's, dinner it's afterwards. It's flat down there in Florida, Jim. Well, you'll be fine. Right. I'll be, you know, <laughs> I get passed a lot, Chris. But uh, so we're, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write you a check for five million bucks, the interest that, that I owe you. And you say, hey, Jim, you want to pay any principal on this? And I go, nope. See you next year. Because if I pay principal, you might not let me have it back. Right. Yeah. But there I can pay back principal inside the insurance contract all day long. But why would I ever change the arrangement? I'm, I'm netting 20. I'm paying you five. I really don't care that I'm paying. I could pay you seven as long as I was netting five, uh, 20. Right? I'm not paying you five. My tenants are. Right. Right? Yeah. So 
I'm just making $20 million on the spread. That's the power of infinite banking. Yep. Now, all these people, I, I want to keep this basic, but I want to I, I want the, I want you to see the the infinite in the message because there's so many people that are way better marketers than me, right? They're great marketers and they're on YouTube and they're on the on different social media um, platforms and they're talking about you know buying your cars, your vacations, paying off student debt, all that stuff with infinite banking, and you can do all of it. But where it really gets patty cake, yeah, yeah, where 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 you get serious, and you're leveraging, and you're and and you're and you're buying assets that are going up in value instead of instruments that are going down in value with with uh, monetary debasement. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're playing on the right side of the game, meaning the winning side of the game, the way the wealthy play the game. Now right. we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think there's a couple of questions that come, come to mind. Absolutely. But I want to, I want to, I want to kind of head these off for listeners. So number one, you know, the average return of the stock market is say 10%, but mm -hmm. what, what is the, do you, what's the average number that, that in, an investor typically gets out of the stock market? Like actually gets they invest with the broker and, you know, like, what do you they really want to know the number? Yeah. After fees and like, you know, selling at the right and wrong times, all that stuff. What, what's, what's probably the real number that an average investor gets? I think it's really close to zero. Unfortunately, it's, I would, I would say I'll give them a little bit more credit, but it's definitely low single digits. I'd, I'd say it's less than 5%. Um, but you know, and that's the thing, the thing I hear with this gym is people are like, well, you know, I can I can do better than investing in one of these policies, but and I want to address that too, um, that verbiage. But what with you know my policies, I have a guaranteed rate of four percent. When you add the exactly. dividends in, you're looking at more like five or sometimes even closer to six percent in these policies, and that's tax free. So I think you know that's one thing that I think um, now most of our listeners are more, more sophisticated and they're getting better returns than that. Um, but I also I really don't like to call this an investment. I like to call it exactly. a tool. Um, yeah, because we're setting up a tool that can be used. Um, and then the other thing that I hear is that I, I really, this really bothers me. Um, but what do you say when you know investors say, well, I just have term insurance. I don't need that much life insurance in, in, these, in these types of policies. Today's show is sponsored by Money Insights and their Investment Optimizer Strategy. In my book, I share how I use the same strategy starting over a decade ago to invest my money in two places at one time. This strategy has been used by the wealthiest for generations for estate planning, minimizing taxes, preserving wealth, and increasing stability for their investments. Now you can do the same thing. In addition, you can build a plan to build an emergency fund, pay for college, fund a business, plan for retirement, and ultimately optimize your total financial picture. To find out more information, check us out at the banking link at nextlevelincome.com. Yeah, I say, well, you know what? Um, term insurance is for temporary need. And so you have to understand term insurance. There's only one benefit in term insurance. If I put a million dollars in that policy, I have zero cash value. I only have right. death benefit. I have to die for to get anything out of that policy and less than, it's really closer to one-tenth of 1% 1 of all policies. 
pay a death benefit, but less than 1% ever pay anything. Term. Okay. Yeah, so, term. Yeah. so it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it, you're throwing your money away there. Be, be, but here's the thing when you buy term insurance, are you betting with the insurance company or against them? You're not with them. You're on the other you're side. Not of with that them. Policy. You're, That's right. <laughs> you think you might die. They they know you won't. Actually, yeah. they know you won't. Yeah. It, not just you, but a hundred thousand yous. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, well, large. They're like, yeah. and by the way, when you're 35 years old, you can get a 30 year term policy all day long. It's oh, not yeah. very expensive. Peanuts. Yeah. I get in a 30 year policy when you're 58. Yeah. Not gonna yeah. happen. Maybe well, they'll give and, you 10 years. Yeah. I had a I had a discussion with an investor about a year ago and he's like, Chris, you know, we looked at this, we ran through, you know, this concept. And I I talked I talked with this about my with my investor club. And we, we all we all agreed that basically we can get, you know, we can do better with our money. And mm. I said, Well, first off, look, my mom, we're about to have our uh, kind of we're recording this a little bit ahead of schedule. This will be coming out, but um my we always have an annual eggnog party to honor my mother who passed away in December. And right. I'll never forget after she died. Um, I talked to my, my stepfather and she, she, there was some things she wanted to do for my boys, but they really didn't have the money to do it. And I was like, well, what about life insurance? And this is what inspired me to go back and get re relicensed. He said, you know, he said to me, Jim, he goes, we decided it was too expensive to get life insurance. Now, one thing is I've never heard anybody that's had a loved one die or had a car accident or their house burned down or have some sort of issue ever say, wow, you know what? I, I just had too much insurance when that happened. I've never heard that. Never heard somebody say that. No. Um, but I have heard people say as they get older that insurance costs too much. And I think that's that's a big, you know, that's something that people need to think about. The other thing is when this investor told me this, and I said, so what, what did you guys decide? He's like, well, most of us said we have enough money. We won't need insurance when we get to be that age. And I got a little annoyed and I said, you know what? I said, that's, that's very small thinking. And I said, that's very selfish thinking because you could leave a lot to your heirs. You could set up your heirs. And I said, let me ask you something else. I said, you probably have some people in the group worth, you know, that are millionaires. He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, how many are really wealthy? How many are worth eight figures or more? He goes, nobody. I said, you need to get yourself a different mastermind group that you're part of to talk about investing. You're not thinking like rich people. You guys are thinking like poor people. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, this, um, and Robert Kiyosaki, I think they said it, but the difference between poor people and wealthy people is which way their money flows. Yeah. Poor people, they're trying to, they're listening to Dave Ramsey and trying to slow down the flow of their money away from them. Yeah. Wealthy people are always trying to figure out how to get money to flow to them. That's right. And yeah. and so when you look at infinite banking, you know, Chris, it's not the rate of return inside the insurance contract. Right. It's the leveraging inside the insurance contract. Yeah. And your policy, yeah. when you're talking about it, it grows every single day guaranteed. Every year guaranteed. That's right. Guaranteed. The worst case scenario at 10 years is you have about the same amount that you put in it. The worst case scenario. Now, if I go put that money in, a, in an investment, what's my worst case scenario? I lose all of my money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but now I don't really care what the rate of return is inside the insurance contract because I have access to somebody else's money. I'm going to go, like, let's say that it was 4% and 
and somebody says, I could get a net 8% in the market, which I don't think you can, but let's just say it was. Can I take the insurance company's money and make more than 4% with their money? Absolutely, right? Now, absolutely. That I said 25% cash on cash. And I know what you do and I'm going to I'm going to I know that the rate of return that you're paying and that your people get when you add it all in, I'm not saying it I mean I don't know what it is exactly, but I guarantee you it's better than what the stock market is. I guarantee I shouldn't say some compliance person out there is going to say, I'm not guaranteeing it, but it is better. I'm not. All right. Let me. I'm not guaranteeing that. Jim know, said not, that. Jim yeah, said I'm that sorry. That word listeners. guarantee. <laughs> but I do love. I had my securities I, license. You can tell that. That's that right. I can tell you about that. I, but I do love it because that is the one thing. I When I do talk about something, we can talk about guaranteed rates in life insurance. And that's what's yeah. great. So I think, again, but I think the concept is, and, and you know, I feel like we got to we got to um, have you back on and continue down this road. But this is a tool and I want you to share how people can learn more about this tool. We have we have uh, resources on our website as well. But this is a tool that you can not only enhance the returns that you get on your portfolio, but you also get you. I love how you said this. You didn't call it a policy. You called it a contract. These are private contracts. They're very beneficial if you want if you value privacy or have other um, liabilities out there. And when you really start to blend these in with, you know, flowing into a trust and setting up, you know, generational wealth through like a waterfall structure where your children or grandchildren can purchase insurance with this, then you realize how a lot of people out there are talking about like the Rothschilds may be worth like trillions of dollars because nobody really knows what is held in these contracts outside of the insurance company and the policyholder, right? That's right. It's it's private, right? But and, and private, it's yeah. kind of like the the benefit, even though Bitcoin isn't private, but it's it's uh, anonymous, right? I mean, yeah. unless you could figure out somebody's, yeah. you know, whatever number, you know. Uh, so, but the thing is, is that it's like a pre-engineered trust, the life insurance, because even your children aren't going to know. There's no reading of the will of the insurance contract. You get a check, and unless they say, "Hey, what was your check?" they don't know. Or uh, yeah, any, like any that. other error yeah. that, that you know they, they get a check, but the cash value and what you said is exactly right. We break it down generation one, generation two, generation three, and beyond. I own all the policies on my kids, on my grandkids, on my business partners, everything else. When I graduate from this world, then somebody else will own them, which means they get the cash. But the policies that were on me, they bingo, they get a bingo, they get a tax-free death benefit. So if I had any loans on these other policies, they could use the benefit to pay back the loans if they want, they're in control. But here's one thing to think about when you think rates of return. I just want to return to that for just one minute. Um, let's say you're 10 and these are round loose numbers, okay? But it's very close to this. When I put a dollar in the insurance contract, so like if I put a hundred grand in there, I get that right then and there, I get $150,000 to go put into my investments. Okay, right? Say that again. So when I put in a hundred grand, the yep. growth on my policy for oh, that gotcha. year, gotcha. okay? So it's going to be 150 grand. It's about 150%. Now, Remember, I've got, I'm using all this other money and it's all in motion. Somebody would say, yeah, well, that's because you've got 10 years of premium sitting there and growing at 4% or 5%. 
Yeah. But that's, I'm not letting it sit there. Right. Exactly. Right. Motion is a law of God. Money has to flow or it dies. I'm not letting it sit there. I'm putting it in motion. Yeah. I'm out there buying mobile home parks. I'm doing deals. I don't care if you're active, passive. That, that's a whole nother discussion. But I have a money pool that when an opportunity comes along and I can put in a hundred thousand dollars and I can take 150 and I can go put it in a project that Chris is doing, I win. That's right. That's I right. win. I love it. Because yeah. now if we have time, I want to give you one example of how I used it to buy a business and Please, what my rate of return was. Yeah, let's do that. And then, Jim, I'd love for you to share the with the audience a little bit about your book and your website yep. and some of the resources you have. Absolutely. So I'll make this quick. So in, uh, in 2017, I bought this electronics refurbishment business. I bought it from a bigger company, and it didn't fit really into their model. And they just got a $50 million VC in, injection. And the VC was like, why do you have this little refurbishment company? They wanted $3.3 million for it. I said, okay, I'll give you the $3.3, but I'm going to do it on an earn-out basis. And I wanted to put in there this clause, because you know how VCs work. If you sell this bigger company within five years, I don't owe you anything. Okay? So, and I said, I don't want to put any money down. Now, this is back to creative financing, right? Yeah. Well, came back and said, we got to have something. We want a million dollars. I said, no. I'll give you $75,000. That's the last offer. They took it. So I gave them 75 grand. Yeah. I didn't have to start payments for two years on the 20% increase on the earnout, right? Okay. When I got into the warehouse, I found out that we had all of these sound bars that they said were worthless because they were too old. We started selling them on eBay and Amazon. We made 400 grand before the end of the year, selling $12 sound bars. Yeah. We had nothing in them, right? Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. All right. So remember, I bought the company for $75,000 out of pocket. I made 400 grand, paid back the $75,000. And I say, what was my rate of return? Right. And people say, well, you're 75. I said, no, no, no. It wasn't my 75,000. Yeah. It was the insurance company, 75,000. Yeah. It cost me $3,700 of interest. Right. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So, but also, I never had to pay another dime for that business. It makes seven figures now. Wow. And, yeah. and here's the thing. So I say all that and then I say, Chris, how much did my, what was my rate of return inside my insurance policy during that time? And guess what the answer is? Who cares? <laughs> Good point. I mean, if it didn't grow at all, do I care? No, right. I do yeah. not care. I do not care. Okay, so that's that. that I tried to make that story quick. Uh, I love it. I hope it made sense. I love that. It does make yeah. sense. And I have, I have a similar story when we bought our car wash here in town. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, again, I think that's the thing, you know, people can utilize this as a tool, but even if you don't, you could set it up almost like a private pension fund and those sorts of things. Um, tell us quickly about your book, Jim, and then uh, your website, create tailwind.com. And if people want to learn more about uh, you and your business. Absolutely. So here's my book, make bank without the bank. Like I, I grew up in the inner city, we had all these, you know, you, wherever you grew up, you had slangs for money. One of ours was make bank. So make I, bank. I, I right. stayed with it, right? Like and, it. It, and it's make bank without the bank. And That's good. I like that. It tells my story of being in poverty and what I about money, what I thought I was doing the right thing, and all the noise that I encountered trying to find the right signal until I met Nelson and understood this. And 
And then, and, and the reason I tell that in the first few chapters is because I want you to know that if I can do it, you can do it. I did not mm. have anybody give me $1 down. So, and then I go through simple principles of really the new rules of money and what you have to learn. It's 98 pages. And the audible uh, is... I, uh, is the chapter. And then there's a little interview afterwards. Right. So it's, it's, it's more like podcast form like this. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, um, you know, and if, if, if anybody, and then community is community.createtailwind.com. If anybody, because all I want is to educate people on this and you to come to one conclusion, this is for me or it's not for me. So to do that, Chris, with your permission, I'd like to make an offer. Absolutely. If somebody Go goes it. to my community and they join the community and they take one course and, you know, Chris, I'm into the honor system. Okay. You tell me you took the course. Uh, that's all you got to do is say, I took a course, send me your best on the community. You can uh, direct message me your best mailing address. And I'll send you either my book for free or Nelson Nash's become banker, Ooh, unlocking like yeah. the infinite banking concept for free. No shipping, nothing. Okay. And, and you never have to talk to me again. So there's no, <laughs> okay. So I just, I, I think I love that better Thank their you. lives if they yeah. read, if they take a course and they read yeah. those two books and the, love that. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's the offer to, to Chris's, uh, cause Chris, cause I, you and I have just hit it off and I wanted to yeah. make your, your audience offer that hopefully they can't refuse. I love it. And Jim, man, I wish we could we could share a little bit more about the audience with uh, some of your things. But I know my listeners know how into health I am. We have our doc, my doctor on, my personal doctor on every three, four, five, six months uh, to share different tips with the audience. Um, you know, I'd like to wrap up with, look, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you think you do not think like normal people. You know, you think like somebody that's exceptional. And I know, Jim, we've talked about riding. We talked about the M5s and yeah. um you know, the, the way, what I, what I love is within the infinite banking community, the way that people think not just about money, but about life in general, it's not just the banking concept that's infinite. It's their attitude that's infinite. And it's a real abundance mindset. And Jim, I know you share that. I know we share that together. And I thank you for sharing that with our audience today. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you. And, you know, I always think it comes down to freedom and, you know, when you're freedom, out on your bike, is, yeah is you know you're free and it's a moving meditation for me and there's nothing i can do in the world that makes me feel better than when i get back but also medically like i'm sure your doctor isn't just fixing things that are broken that he's preventative and and you know that's freedom that's freedom. and, yeah. and chris we're financial slaves but we're also medical slaves we're information slaves and you can think that you're free but you can be free but it takes work and you know, I see these old people down here, you know, I'm 58. So I call old people. They're really old. Chris is, is the medical world down here will treat you like you're a, your cattle yeah. and you, you got to take care of your health and do all the right things. And all that information's out there and great doctors, like I'm sure yours, uh, your doctor, they want to help you be healthier. That's right. Awesome. Well, we're trying to help you do, um, both things with your health and with your money that are going to help you become more free. Jim, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. 
Now I have one more thing to give to you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.